Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. I'm Pat Nevin. This is Ali Riley. Hi, this is Ruben Loftus-Cheek, and you're listening to the London Is Blue podcast. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London Is Blue podcast, your home for all things Chelsea FC. Dan, Mike, Nick, and myself cover all the match reviews from the latest Chelsea matches. We cover the team news and even throw you some exclusive interviews. Thank you already for being an awesome listener. And you know what? Let's jump right in. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to the second episode of the week. Another inspired episode as we reflect upon the fact that Chelsea will be participating in the Champions League next season. It still feels so, so sweet, and we're going to celebrate that with Mike and Nick. Brandon, yeah, unfortunately, he's getting well-deserved R&R, Nick. Like, I think that's the way we need to make sure that we frame it because this is an opportunity for him, for the lady, just to enjoy themselves, do a little wine, winery action, a little brewery action, relax. They've had a hard season. Good opportunity for to take some time off. Yeah, well, I mean, I just hope the rest of us get this much vacation time from the show, you know? So, some of us are putting in double shifts a week, you know? I just, I don't know. Mike, I'm... I'm 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 happy for him. I'm just I'm hoping he comes back to us and doesn't go to a a Kalamazoo based Chelsea podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's all about the squad rotation right now. We don't want him to uh, pull a vocal string or uh, hurt himself in any way. So I hope you're having fun, Brandon. Yeah, that that larynx has to be insured by Lloyd's of London. So we just got to make sure we keep that protected. Don't want to waste that one. Before we get into the specifics, we do have a fun question from our Patreon group. 
Uh, Biddy asking, so what's Nick's, Nick going to do to absolve himself of repeatedly downplaying our top four chances? It's not going to happen, quote, unquote. And I'm going to give you a little cover, Nick, because I want to say I think you were just trying to be a realistic individual. You were trying to downplay expectations so people didn't get hurt in the end. But I will allow you to now take it as, you, as you'd like and give the people your answer. I am super happy to be wrong. I <laughs> like I what I don't know what else you want me to say on this. Like, if you would have looked at our chances, you would have looked at the opponents that we had left. You would have looked at Huddersfield and Brighton being the two reasons that we made the change. You know, like it makes no sense. Spurs completely falling apart. United completely falling apart. Uh, Arsenal continuing mediocrity. Like it, it's. You know, I don't, I don't, you know, we, we joked a little bit about this, Mike, in the first episode, but uh, I don't think this is a sole Chelsea achievement. Uh, we got a lot of help from a lot of other teams to get there. We got to push across the, the finish line for sure. I mean, because if, you know, from looking at that, what did Arsenal, you know, Spurs and uh, United, what they maybe got to combine 15 points out of the last five matches total. So it's just, it's shocking. I will say there was a, Someone on Instagram had commented during one of our predictions um, saying that that guy Nick is always wrong. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. Cool. <laughs> Good it stuff. was it, well, no, but but it was when you predicted that we were going to lose to to Frankfurt, and I, and I told him I'm like if he's always wrong, then you know we don't want him picking Chelsea to win, right? So it's just like let Nick do his thing, and you know it's it's it worked for us, right? Maybe that extra push across the line was. And actually, the one and only Nick Verlaney uh, with uh, just the mystic, you know, mind stuff. That yeah, because they because they take his tweets and his commentary and just make sure it's played before every pep talk leading up to a match. Yeah, it's really it's the motivation the squad needs. But we're gonna jump into some social media questions. Before we do that, we just want to give one last shout out here before we head into the midweek with. Frankfurt coming up and then the last match of the Premier League season. But Nick, we're going to go to Boston. We're going to the final whistle on hate match Chelsea versus the New England Revolution for a really, really good cause. And just last one of our last opportunities to pitch why it's important. Yeah, absolutely. So we, we did a, a, a small episode on this that was released uh, last Friday. So if you're listening to this on, on Monday or Tuesday, this is you know, the, the Friday before, uh, where we kind of go through all the rationale and reason that the club is doing this. I mean, it's, it's for a great cause. There are four, uh, uh, charities that are being featured. Each owner's donating a million, uh, dollars to the, to the cause. And then the proceeds from the match itself are, are going to, um, the world Jewish Congress and, and many other, uh, deserving charities that are, are helping to combat anti-Semitism in, in communities both in the UK and in the USA. So that's kind of the, the baseline for it. We are excited to go support the cause. We may even have a couple of auction raffle items at the night before party uh, to help chip in a little bit uh, to the cause. But really, we're just excited to see you guys. So if you're, if you're coming to Boston, uh, we will be at the Banshee on, on the night before party, Mike. We'll be I'm sure around the tailgating situation uh, the next day. And we're, and we're just, we're there to, we're there to have some fun and create some content. It's going to be great. Yeah. I mean, on top of a good cause, this is also about, you know, the Chelsea community, Chelsea family, right? So the, the chance for us to, again, all get together and then also see a bunch of our other friends and you guys, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, please come up, talk to us, looking forward to meeting you all. 
and uh, we'll see you in Boston. Absolutely. And don't forget, because it's a episode recorded right after the first episode we do every week, no new iTunes reviews, but if you go leave one, we'll give you a shout out. No new Patreon members, but if you go join a Patreon, we'll give you a shout out and we'd love to see you in our community chat, which has been blowing up. There was a reference to why Arsenal and Meg Ryan are the same in terms of Premier League slash romantic comedies. And that was a really fun thing to see a Photoshop around. We appreciate that. But time to answer questions. And I think the first one on many people's minds, as it was, as we kind of group it from our Patreon individuals, is sorry, been acquitted. We had Nick, we had Albert, we had Mark, we had also on Instagram, Polycracker, on Twitter, we had. Uh, Dan, we had Tim, we had Jackson, you know, basically it all boiled down to Nick, you know, is, you know, now that we've gotten back in the Champions League, which was one of Sari's primary functions, primary goals this season, do we end up keeping him next season, regardless of how Chelsea have found themselves in this position? I think, first of all, we have to, you know, by hook or by crook, they got the job done, right? I, I think there's... There, there just has to be an acknowledgement that the goal that was set out was achieved. Uh, so that is really great. Now, I think where people are likely having the part of the discussion that we're about to have is how we got there, right? Uh, it, was, it was a rocky road. There was a lot of drama. There was a lot of uh, just really poor play. And, and for a guy who's been notorious uh, in his career to this point for a couple of things, which is beautiful attacking football, improving individual players, and then ultimately not reaching the the trophy, uh, you know, it, it's kind of played out, you know, not, not like that for us. I mean, we haven't seen a dramatic improvement of a lot of our players to this point. We haven't seen the system work super effectively, and that could be for a variety of reasons that we get into, uh, Mike. But uh, the, the main goal that we were playing in the Champions League is achieved. So I don't think – I don't think he's – uh, acquitted or any or should feel the vindication necessarily because it hasn't been a beautiful ride, but it's going to be interesting to see what the club does with him because we are not sure about, you know, the, the signings variable yet this summer. And that's a big piece, I think. Oh God, a huge piece. Yeah. This is a bit of the, uh, you know, being on the aircraft carrier job done moment. Um, oh, I think, that's a mission uh, accomplished moment. No, right? mission, yeah, sorry, mission accomplished. Yeah, I mean, there's still a war going on. To me, vindication is Maurizio Sarri holding the Europa League trophy in his arms. You know, yeah. um, yes. that's vindication. Now, everything else, what we're talking about is effectively, um, uh, you know, a bunch of people tripping and taking each other down as they're running towards the, uh, the finish line. Um, so I don't think that's good enough. Um, and not nothing against sorry. Um, I think as when it comes to player improvement, I think he made Ruben better. I think he gave uh, Calm Hudson Adoy a chance that he would not have gotten under a, you know, um, a Mourinho uh, and potentially under Conte. Um, I think the players that we saw play, you know, quite honestly, there I think there was a reason why we didn't see Drinkwater and Moses and potentially Cahill play. Uh, and I think. A lot of the players that we have currently are probably playing close to the maximum that they can do. So um, not, a, not a great situation. I think what's really gone against him, in my opinion, um, at times he's either been too honest or awkwardly honest. You know, like there, there were situations where 
by being honest with us, uh, it's you know, like people have doubted him even more. Um, I don't think he's had the grace at the microphone that other managers have and have managed to mess with us and, you know, weave narratives that we don't want. You know, I think he's just kind of been, um, this is what we're going to get and this is what we're going to do and we're going to win. And it's a kind of a weird messed up situation because he's kind of achieved half of what he was set out to do. And without being in the rooms with Roman himself, do I know if trophies are really part of that requirement? I don't know. Um, but I, I, well, to be, to be fair at Chelsea, trophies are always a requirement. I mean, if we look at then, then what, okay, well, perfect. Well, I mean, if we look at what, what's happened to prior managers at Chelsea, like, and I, I think one of our listeners even called it out that you know Rafa, even though he was interim, won Europa League and was third, and then still was terminated and not signed on permanently. Obviously, there was some other issues with how the kind of the toxicity you know that that situation created. But well, it's just where we're at right now, right? It's it's not too dissimilar. It's not too dissimilar, and I, I think that's probably the biggest point that I would kind of maybe offer in a counter is that as much as it was good to reach top four, I think there will be an assessment to say if he doesn't win the Europa League, if we won top four, if we got to a cup final, which we lost in penalties, you know, is there something to build upon here? And if there's a validation that we can continue to build upon it or we don't get to sign players and we need to think about how we're going to acclimatize youth and we're going to need more flexibility, and again, this is highly speculative. We need to maybe go in a different direction. And, you know, I think the hardest thing sometimes is admitting that the decision you made was the wrong decision or was not the accurate decision. I'm not saying that Mauricio Sarri is or isn't that, but I think if he finishes in the top four, brings us back to Champions League, doesn't win a trophy, did take us to one to potentially two finals, that might be enough. But I, I think there's going to have to be some assessment on both sides because you also see him coming out in the press still, Nick, and talking about how he really wants to make sure that we sign Gonzalo Higuain because he's going to be better next season. And I, I don't know if that's the type of mentality I'd like from the individual who's trying to shepherd us into you know, a, another reclamation season. Yeah, I, I think it's just going to be tough. I mean... There, there was a, there were like two or three boiling points a season where you were like, absolutely not. There's no way he can stay on. Um, and certainly, I think his his view on which players we need to sign is is likely off of where the club is. I think the club did him a solid with Jorginho and with uh, Gonzalo Higuain. Um, Higuain has not worked out. Jorginho has been, you know, kind of 50, 50 this year. Um, now, do I think that's all down to him as a, as a player? No, I think Sarri's tactics have also been largely in question. So there, there's a lot to sort through, but you know, the, the best thing that he can do for himself and the best thing he can do for the club is win a trophy at the end of the year. And I think we all hope that he does that. Um, so let's let's do it. Yeah, I mean, I think the big thing is no one is rooting against Mauricio Sarri to not win that tr- trophy and get a second season. Uh, and if you are, you're not a true Chelsea fan. Well, and it, you'd love to see what happens. So, you know, it's like the Steve Young monkey on his back thing when he finally won the Super Bowl, right? Like, who knows? Maybe that's the thing that completely changes his mentality because that's, you know, he finally achieved it. But... Yeah, let's let's uh, let's move on. But I, I there's a lot more to come with the sorry discussion. I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we we did get one question 
from Jaroslav, who was asking, you know, why were we so negative about this season? We're in third place, can end up winning a title. We need to do some soul searching, some yoga, some spiritual retreats of the summer, and start with more patience and positivity next season. I think just as a statement, I think we all would agree that that would be a wonderful, wonderful thing for everybody to do because of how tense and strenuous and difficult this season has been at times. So, yes, I like your idea that we all do a little soul searching. So the other big question at the end of this match was that there was a lap around to applaud the supporters, to thank them for their commitment this season, our last home match. But there were some questions, uh, Mr. Thurman and CTX Blues fan asking, what do we make around A, sorry, disappearing for the walk and then only coming back out to stand by the tunnel. And then what do we make about N Hazard walking around the field with his kids, waving to the crowd? Uh, I think Mike... We could probably answer the end his R one quickly. Is that every player did it, so of course he was going to do it. <laughs> but yeah. m- but maybe with the sorry one, uh, you know, I did see some comments. Uh, you know, Liam was kind of thinking uh, Liam Toomey, who's the correspondent for ESPN, saying that he thought, "What if he had walked around only to be booed?" To which Simon Johnson still said, "Well, pretty much everyone else has done it." I get the perspective, uh, Simon Johnson from the Evening Standard, and. Where do you kind of land in that? Was it the right thing to do, wrong thing to do, or just it doesn't really matter in the grander context of things? To me, um, <clears throat> I think this is all about the narrative that you assign on Maurizio, right? I, I look at it as, um, you know, kind of a general who's looking at it and he's allowing his troops to, you know, get, you know, get the the applaud and the applause they deserve, right? Like he's letting them, he's letting the moment be on them. He, he's not, he's not someone who wants it to be about him in my opinion. So I think he stepped aside, let the, you know, he seems super. I mean, if you look at some of the video, he's super happy, smiling. I don't think he's upset. I think it's just not in his nature. I think he's a more quiet, you know, he's a, he's a numbers guy. He's a banker. Right. So I think this was about the team and he stepped aside and I, I don't make anything of it at all. And if it messes with tradition, uh, who gives a shit? Um, it, it doesn't impact anything. And to me, it's just uh, an extra storyline that potentially takes away from what a, a, an awesome day today was. And Nick, I, I'm curious to see where you're coming from here. Uh, yeah, he's sorry. He's just mercurial, man. Like I, some of the, you know, obviously bringing on Gary Cahill at the end was, a you know, a, a, a good move from him. But I, you know, I just. Why not just walk around? You know, why not just do the thing? You know, you've heard the booze all year. What's what's going to change now? You know, like that's kind of my take on it. But I, I'm, I just don't understand why you because more more than just like not doing it, not participating, you kind of draw the attention back on yourself because you're you're the absent party, and I just uh, you know I I don't. I don't get it and it doesn't, it doesn't really matter again. Like you said, at the end of the day, just, you know, there's so much left to unfurl about the season and the direction of the club and everything. But yeah, it was a little weird. Yeah. So as we kind of wrap on that one, next question about, again, a little bit deeper in the hazard being gone, uh, MF Partridge and, uh, at Mike, Mike whiskey, uh, whiskey Niner, both asking, you know, Hey, Hazard kind of acted like it was his last match or, or did it, and then like did the club's announcement of killing Hazard leaving pretty much indicate that Eden is gone too. I think, Nick, we can't read into one or the other. I think 
we've assumed for a long time that Hazard is going to be leaving this at the end of the season. Uh, I don't think that Killian Hazard leaving is going to make much of an impact on that. Yeah, I know. I don't. I don't know if the the two are tied necessarily together. <laughs> um, yeah, like, good for Killian that he's going to go get an opportunity to play somewhere. Um, you know, I think he was. You know, for for being completely honest about that, it seemed like when he was brought on, that was kind of a a hat tip to Eden to say like, "Hey, we're committed to you and your family for the for the long haul." And um, there, the the Eden Hazard situation is one when when it gets announced either way, Mike, that will cause a lot of visceral reaction. But um, I think there is there's a strong case to be made both ways now. I mean, he. He now will be guaranteed to play in the Champions League if he stays with the club, um, you know, or the club will will honor his wishes and he'll move on to, to you know, Real Madrid, which you you would typically say is is a bigger and better thing, especially given our club trajectory over the last couple of years. But you know, there it's it's not as if they're coming off a perfect season right now. So I think there's just a lot to consider with him and where he will you know eventually end up. But I know that I'm just grateful that he put in the shifts that he did this season kind of uphill uh, both ways. Oh, hell yeah. I mean, let's be honest. We're, we're, <clears throat> we are ending the season in a position that we can make a, a, a logical uh, argument uh, as to why he should stay. We have Champions League football. We potentially have the ability to appeal the ban and, and go out and get a bunch more people. You know, Madrid's still going to be waiting for him next year as well. So, I think that he showed to us not only that he's worth, you know, the money that we're paying him, you know, most ever for a Chelsea player, uh, but he's also backed it up and put the club and all of us in a position in which, you know, um, if he goes to Spain, I I have no ill will against him. You know, I think he has played one of the better careers in England, especially with the amount of fucking fouls that that man takes and can still walk. You know, he it's going to be a cakewalk in Spain. You know, he's going to have so much space and, and I would never, you know, envy him that. And, you know, you have what, five, six competitive matches a year in the Spanish league. And then you have guaranteed champions league and all that other stuff. Um, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not ready to let go. Uh, I still think there's some hope, you know, when he does that little eye wink shit and, uh, it's like, you know, it's this little dazzling little eye wink. He's so mischievous with that, right? He's nothing if not coy. I will say (laughs) exactly. Like you, you could see it going, you know, each way, and you see his family, and you know he's a family man, and and you know things make sense. He has a home, and not that you can't do, you know, change all that. But uh, I am fucking holding out hope (laughs) that much, you know, like the Game of Thrones shit we've been talking about, that he is still with us at the end of the season. So. Yeah, that's so, that's my two cents. Before we say goodbye to Ed Nazard, there is a thought potentially that we might be in the Europa League final. We got asked by CTX Blues fan. So if we do make it to the final, which means that we have beaten Frankfurt uh, by either one goal to nil in the next game or uh, have just absolutely smashed them after their very embarrassing loss uh, just this past weekend, who would we rather play, Arsenal or <laughs> another team that is like, I don't know if it's a real question because ultimately I do think Nick that Arsenal are going to make it out of this time. We're really not going to have to worry about uh, Valencia with the fact that they've got a, 
a pretty uphill climb as it relates to getting out of that tie. Yeah, I, I think the storyline is a much better one with Arsenal and Chelsea in the final, um, you know, especially because the pressure is off of us now. I mean, we, we can kind of go into that playing a little bit more loose, whereas Arsenal will be really, 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 really tight. And you could see maybe the reverse of what happened in the in the 2016-17 FA Cup final um, where we were tight because it would have meant that the double was on and, and Arsenal really didn't have the same kind of pressure. So, um, you know, I, I think Valencia would be interesting, but, you know, beating Arsenal in a final would give me unparalleled joy mike I, like i just can't can't phrase it any different the amount of schadenfreude that would be received from just snuffing the life out of them both from a finals perspective and also knowing that we are relegating them to thursday night football um it it would be immense now that said i would much rather play valencia but um I have a I have a strong feeling that we will face Arsenal, so I cannot wait to destroy them. Yeah, Arsenal fan TV afterwards, if we won, would be quite exceptional and would just be a joy unto itself. We're going to answer some more questions, but before that, a really, really quick break. We'll be right back to talk about Jorginho's season as it stands. All right, so a couple of people, like our friend Aerith Muggle, our friend Hamid, um, and then also I am Lukeman on Instagram, who probably had the best version of this question, but who's that guy with the headband he should play instead of Jorginho, which I found very funny. Well done. <laughs> but we, we did get the question, what do we make of Jorginho's season? Uh, I think, Nick, maybe just a, a brief thought on what you think, because I think ultimately, like Amit is asking, how do we rate this season? We're going to be doing a postseason grade pod where we kind of grade out how the players did, how the team ended up doing. And we want to save that really until after the Europa League final, if we end up making it there and if we end up winning. Correct. Yeah. So if you think back to our midseason review, we'll do that, but we'll actually have something real to talk about, which will be awesome. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, this this, this is a bit like the acquittal for uh, Sari as well, right? What happens in the next two to three games, I think, changes how we view Jorginho as well. Yeah, we've uh, we've got the the touch on the brass ring right now, but we still have to uh, finish the ride, as it were, around the merry-go-round. But a big, big question, particularly after he just captained Wigan <laughs> in his final match, got a standing ovation, applauds from supporters, from his you know temporary manager, as it were. But Reese James has been getting a lot of love throughout the entirety of the season. Uh, Christian on Discord. We had Moonin. And then we also had uh, Gabor on Twitter all asking a lot about, like, what's going to end up happening for Reese James. You know, we've seen promising young talent get unsettled because of lack of playing time, many times ending up wanting to actually leave Chelsea because of it. And, Nick, I, I, I think, you know, Reese is put himself in the position to get the look next season, particularly if we aren't able to sign players. And even if we are able to sign, like not having to spend for the position that Reed James would take gives us more money to spend in other areas where we are in maybe a more dire need. Amen to that. Yeah. Look, I mean, if I were Chelsea and all the momentum from today, I would just announce like, Hey, yeah, we're recalling him because it makes a lot of sense for a hundred different reasons. I mean, like it's a position of need. It's a player who exceeded all expectations on his loan. 
It's it's a guy who looks ready for prime time, um, and and we'll find out very quickly if that's true or not. But uh, as far as loans go, and a lot of people have said this on Twitter, so you know, credit to everyone who's who's done that. As far as loans go, this is by you know I think this and the Christensen loan at is it Werder Bremen? Yep. Um, or Wolfsburg? Or no, yeah, uh, Mancha Gladbach. Oh, Gladbach, yeah, you're right. Um, so between those two, I mean, that's kind of the prototypical, here's how you do a loan for the rest of the Chelsea youth that will be eventually loaned, Mike. I mean, this I, he did exactly what he was supposed to do and more. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm ecstatic. The the Not only is he a baller, but the, the size, and I'm hoping the speed that he brings to position is, is exciting. Um, I do think that, uh, unfortunately, uh, Dave has pulled a bit of what our team did, you know, as well, kind of backing into things. I don't think this has been a fantastic season for him. Um, I think he looks very vulnerable at times, both in strength and speed. So um, it's a bit bittersweet to me because, you know, are we talking about right back because we need to lock it down or is it because you know, we're, we need some help there. So, um, maybe that pushes Dave to the left and that changes things and, you know, who knows, but, um, I'm very, very hopeful for this kid. Plus all the, uh, Dave Chappelle, uh, memes, uh, Rick James memes that I'm sure will <laughs> come along with oh, I'm Reese James. I already have some, some Photoshop ideas for next season. Apparently. Um, yeah, yeah. we, we did run a, a poll and I think one caveat before that is, so sorry, actually given, um, just shy of 2,000 minutes to Chelsea Academy players, which is more than any other manager in the Abramovich era, era, which would, I believe, surprise a lot of people uh, when you think about just the fact that you know, we, we have these talented individuals. We've looked at a lot of them. Tammy Abraham, Mason Mount, Reese James, uh, many others on loan, Ola Aina, Kurt Zuma, and you're going to potentially have a lot of individuals coming back into the fold all we're hinging on what happens with FIFA, what happens with the Court of Arbitration of Sport, and if we can or can't sign players, register players, as we head into the summer. We did run a poll that pretty much was universally. About 52% of people thought Reese James would be the individual poised to make the biggest impact returning to Chelsea. Kurt Zuma came in at second place with 26%, probably on the heels of the Rudiger injury and knowing that David Luiz may or may not get a contract extension. And Christensen having kind of a roll, little bit of a roller coaster season as well. Tammy Abraham in third place, thirteen percent. Mason Mount was the other one, and a couple of friendly people reminded me that Christian Pulisic is on loan technically right now, but I didn't count him in this because ultimately we were kind of thinking more about. I was thinking more about academy. Sorry for not framing the question that way, but uh, do you guys agree with Reese James? Or are we kind of all aligned on that? Or do we feel like one of those others or another player is more poised at the moment to have a bigger impact next season? Um, I, I would quickly say if, if our striker situation is not able to be remedied by the transfer market, then I think my answer changes to Tammy because <laughs> like, uh, I can't. I can't watch more of what I saw today um, from you know from both of our strikers, but primarily Iguain. I I just I need something new there, Mike. You know, I, quite honestly, it's been a long time since we've had a third striker, and I think if Tammy's willing to give it till January, just you know step in there and maybe get some chances, I would love to see that. Um, I think overall Reese is the number one. Um, I think Zuma is getting a lot of hype, um, but. 
I Zuma worry. depends on the system, though. I it mean, does, and I worry about him because, again, Zuma's uh, – I, I feel like people either say he's super technical or he's not, and um, I just don't – I worry that we have an idea of what he was pre-injury, and you know, I have not watched enough of him at Everton this year to see if there's been a change, but I don't think that – I think we're just hoping he's the solution as opposed to, you know, that being the reality of the situation. I think we're probably better off with Christensen than trying to bring in another person to try and fit into a system and, you know, yada, yada, yada. So um, Tammy and Reese are my pick. It's, it's really, I think, an economic situation as it boils down to it is ultimately we need to refresh the squad. There are a lot of talented individuals who could come in and do that, both outside of our existing infrastructure and within our infrastructure and based upon where our need areas are as we look to evaluate it like if we're thinking about the you know the way teams think about the NFL draft I, I imagine it's the same way a Premier League team thinks about the summer and you know this has been in plans for months right they're trying to figure out who they need to sign what the acquisitions are going to need to be and if they can offset signing a player well that's doing something crazy like telling Torino that we are absolutely not going to sell Olaena we're going to bring him back which is may or may not be in the cards like that saves you 30, 40, 50 million pounds on buying a replacement that you can then invest into that one main striker we need, the one midfielder that's going to maybe make a absolutely crucial difference, the one center back that we might need to bring on. So ultimately, the club will, you know, has shown that we can do the right things. Again, that money is not necessarily an object when we you know go out and sign Kepa at a world record fee for a goalkeeper. So again, it's being smart. It's figuring out the right way to do it, but we'd love to hear your thoughts on, again, is there a, a player that we're not thinking about and maybe a, a Jada Silva fan and you want to kind of stand for him appropriately? Like, let us know. You did mention, though, Mike, about the Christensen element. We did get a question from uh, Lost Loftus on Twitter saying, what will it take for Christensen to become the center back? We know he can be while he is in rough form right now. Do you have any thoughts or kind of a quick summary on what you think might need to change there you know my concern is his overall pace um i think as a young center back he lacks the experience of a terry to help get him in the ideal position and i don't think at times he has quite the the level of pace that he needs to compete with um some of the elite players in the premier league um i think he's been at his best when he's partnered with really other experienced lockdown defenders and I don't know. Maybe it's more game time. You know, I think I think it's really hard. We, we we argued back and forth about this. He played well in the Europa League at times against kind of crappy competition. Then he steps into tougher competition. It's hard to raise your level because you're not. You know, it's hard to know what to expect when you're covering some dude in Yugoslavia that doesn't exist anymore. But uh, and then you're coming up against a Sala, right, or a Sterling. So. I think he needs some time, and he just might not be the prince we were promised. So, oh, oh. I, I have high hope. Doing us dirty, Mike. Doing us dirty. The, the <laughs> that one was point, so good. The one point I want to make is actually, I don't feel like his positioning is the issue. I think it's more, and and I want to get a a tiebreaker here in Nick is I think that he his ability to recover when he has misjudged the situation is more the issue. I think actually, yeah, we saw it a couple times where he had the real right read on the situation in this match against Watford, but there were times where he didn't maybe judge it appropriately, and that's where his 
inability to have the pace and some of the physicality too. Like you look at what, you know, Troy Deeney kind of bossed him around a couple of times that are probably the areas where I'm a little more concerned, uh, not necessarily within yeah. his pace initially. Yeah. Like I typically his positioning and his passing are, are strong suits. I mean, he's certainly not the most physical guy in the world. And so the recovery speed, uh, is not necessarily there. And, and, the problem that you have right now in the team is because he's playing on that on that right hand side. You have Jorginho, you have Dave, and you have him who are all kind of struggling in that area. So they all exacerbate each other's worst tendencies, unfortunately. And uh, I, I don't I don't think it's something that necessarily gives me like incredible anxiety because I think especially if you you know depending on who who you have on the other side of him, whether it's Rudiger, or Louise, or a player to be named later, that. You, they all have different strengths and weaknesses that can cover for each other. But I think the thing that I'm, I'm probably most worried about is his aerial ability. Um, and it's something that he's just not, he's just not really physical in the air. And obviously we play zonal marking, uh, on set pieces, which, you know, doesn't really help us either, but especially on like crosses and things like that, I just don't think he's, he's always that guy. So, um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with him. I mean, there, there's, you know, center back is a position that I think we all have identified as like either there needs to be a, a strict hierarchy or a, or a different system for next year because what they did this year was it just seemed all over the place. I mean, let, let's be honest. Are there really any many center backs we're talking about in the league at all? Minus, you know, Virgil van Dyke. Like, yeah, maybe it doesn't exist. I don't know. I, I feel like it's a I think that teams are with overloading and everything else. I think it's pretty damn hard to be a really elite center back at this point because I think the the onus is on offense and, and I don't know I think it's pretty easy to look foolish against some of these players and they will look more and more foolish the attackers will next season when VAR is instituted and Liverpool won't get free goals multiple times at the season very excited for that not to happen uh, as we think about next season though Champions League is back so we have a couple questions of Maha Blue Two Champions League questions. What are realistic expectations for Champions League performance next season? Is it round of 16? And does making the Champions League make it more likely we keep En Hazard if we don't, re- even if he doesn't resign, like we keep him for one additional season uh, and then just kind of write off the fact that he'll leave on a free potentially uh, as it stands? So I think, Nick, you probably have an opinion, a pretty firm opinion on part two, but I also like to hear what you think the realistic realistic expectation should be. Uh, for a team like Chelsea, getting out of the group is. Uh, paramount um you know we we didn't get out of the group with Di Matteo and there were a lot of consequences that kind of befell him after that so that getting out of the group is is the thing I mean it is such a tough competition I unless you're Real Madrid or Barcelona or or, you know City or one of these teams uh, I just don't I don't think the expectation is to win it next year (laughs) okay so I think we set our expectations reasonably and then get uh surprised if it goes better um so getting out of the group would be me that round of 16 is, is, you know, where I would target and, you know, let's pray that we get a favorable draw and things go well, but UEFA is not kind to us either, Mike, like they, they have historically thrown some incredibly tough matchups to us in the, in the round of 16 in the quarterfinals. So it's, it's just hard to predict. Well, you know, they, they are our fans when it comes to, uh, <laughs> granting appeals, right? Um, no, I, I would agree. I, I think what we need to use as a yardstick is not look at this team and say, oh, my God, look at Europe. We're going to get crushed or whatnot. Look, look at how these other teams around us that have really had shit seasons in United, um, Tottenham, 
you know, they're, they're, you know, carrying some water in, in, in the European competition, both got out of the group stages. Um, you know, some luck was involved in that, but you know, I, I have no doubt that if we're in it, then we're going to fucking compete and we're going to get it out of the group stage and then just see what happens from there. Um, I have, I have real faith that, um, if the transfer ban is appealed, um, that we will load up and that we are, we're going to do some serious next year. Um, so, you know, Dan, um, I don't know about you, but I, I have hopes for the champions, like maybe not win it, but I think we will definitely make our mark as we have in the past. Yeah. I mean, I think the, the standard when you pull it out just a little bit further is not necessarily champions league specific, but I think it is specific to how does the team finish across all types of competitions. And we look at right now where you know you have man city and Liverpool who are basically one, a one B and then really there's this second tier of top six teams that exist. And I would want not just to be successful in the Champions League, but I would want us to think about how do we win some level of domestic trophy as well and close this gap because really, you know, we're going to end the season with a maximum of 74 points and you're going to have two teams that are finishing most likely in the 98, 97 range. And so we are, a far cry away from being anywhere near that good or competing at that level. When you look at some of just the, I would say, um, lackluster or inconsistent performances. So I think overall consistency needs to rise next season so that we are not at, we, we kind of insulate ourselves from a, you know, this result related, you know, month to month, what are we going to get out of Chelsea? You know, I, I think if we can get consistent next season, uh, I, I don't necessarily know if we're going to challenge for the title next year, which is a, I think, shitty Arsenal-specific thing to say. But you know, this is where we are, and let's just own the reality of the situation. But I think we need to look at how we use what we've accomplished this season, build upon it appropriately, and just continue to, you know, harder, faster, stronger next season, and go after it fully. One interesting kind of question too that we got is the uh, first Milan, then Roma, and now this. Where is Mourinho? So because uh, now he is uh, unemployed or doing stints on BN Sports to talk about how great he was or is or whatever it might be, uh, potentially rumored now to go to Celtic, which would be a very interesting next stop in the journey. I know, Mike, oh, we were talking why? a little bit about this at the pub this morning. Any thoughts on where Mourinho goes next? And again, obviously, if, you, if you're not aware, Mourinho used to be a manager for Chelsea twice, which is why we're talking about him. Um, <laughs> Ken, if you join this party late, welcome. Glad to have you here. But Mike, any thoughts on if we might see Mourinho uh, back on the touchline next season? You know, I, I have my doubts. Um, to me personally, Jose wants to be on the biggest stage. And to me, that's World Cup. Um, I think he wants to, you know, bookend his career with, quite honestly, the the biggest trophy in the sport. Um, I, You know, there's a chance that he comes back. But if... if I don't know. I think he takes a little time and I think he picks up, you know, maybe he goes to Portugal, works with Ronaldo. Um, but to me, I think his ego and, and his needs are too big. So I'm thinking international Nick. Yeah. I, I thought for a while he might go back to Inter. Um, you know, maybe kind of see that storyline out. I mean, the, the only other league he, he hasn't really coached in that, you know, I think could be really interesting from a champions league perspective is if he went to PSG, um, should, should Tucha leave? Um, so who knows? Uh, 
now that he's not at United, I can kind of relax on him a little bit. Um, again, uh, every episode that we talk about Mourinho since he left, I have to say this, like you, he was our manager. We see the inside baseball. He, we, we know exactly the games he plays. So don't get riled up when he says ridiculous shit, because that's what he does. <laughs> like you can't, you know, it's, it's such a silly thing, but yeah, people got really riled up that when he was at United, but I, I whatever he does next, just, you know, do it. I, I couldn't care less really. Yeah. There's a couple bridges left to burn. <laughs> <laughs> he's uh he's still welcome in a couple of countries uh, and among some fan bases. So, uh, you know, again, I think uh, time will allow us to continue to uh, fall back in love with the best of Mourinho. And uh, that is happening, especially as he, uh, you know, go, go, goes after United and the job that, uh, Ole is doing right now. And uh, yeah, last question before we get out of here. We got Nick through Patreon asking us, uh, injury list getting longer and longer. What will be the setup for the return game in the Europa League? Concerns or do we pull it off? And you know, we know a couple of things, right? Rudiger not available as an option out for the rest of the season. Conte out for at least two matches. So he's going to miss this match and also the last Premier League match of the season. You know, Fatigue setting in for probably multiple players. You know, Ruben obviously has been protected. You know, want to make sure that his back is okay. So, Nick, what do you think of the lineup's going to look like? And, you know, do you think we'll be able to get it done at Sanford Bridge and get to the final? Full strength on Thursday, whatever it takes. Um, you know, you got to plow forward. I mean, the team has not put themselves in a position to give players a ton of rest um, in like a, a perfect scenario. So, Full strength Thursday. I expect Giroud to start. Um, I would expect William to, to start. Hazard to start. Um, you know, Ruben is likely in either Kovacic or Jorginho, and it might be Kovacic in that deeper lying role. And then bringing in like a Barkley or someone else who's fresh. And then Emerson in the back line, I think, is a must um, just, to, just to compete. So that's that's what i think it is and you know against leicester same kind of thing like we we still control our own destiny to finish third by finishing fourth in the in the league you still have to play that qualification round during the summer for the champions league and you don't want to do that so i want to i want to just win out um and and full strength ahead i mean there's only three matches total and there will be essentially two and a half weeks mike between a potential uh Europa League final and the and the last semifinal, so plenty of time there. Yeah, you know, I, again, this is a bit of the Chelsea way in which, you know, injuries, red cards, are you know make us come up with something in the spur of the moment. I don't know for some reason I'm I'm at peace with it. You know, uh, watching uh, Callum get hurt and then Rudiger, I thought our chances were done, um, but we are finding a way to win, and uh, I hope that continues, and and I'm confident in it. You know, I, I will say the one thing that um, had we been another t- club, I think we would have been you would have heard a lot more about our undefeated streak in the shape cha- uh, the Europa League this year. But, you know, six isn't anything to sneeze at. So, um, again, I think it's narratives, right? Well, you know, the stuff we hear about and the stuff we don't. So, uh, Nick. Hang in there. Uh, we'll we'll work it out. Yeah, I think Nick will hang in. I think uh, the people who didn't hang in, um, as we get ready to wrap this episode, is uh, we we say goodbye to a couple of Premier League teams, uh, are now championship teams, 
Cardiff City, Jake, Fulham. Can you cue? Can, can you cue the music? The, the, the in, in memoriam, piece, or the Sarah <laughs> yeah. McLaughlin. <laughs> I will remember. I will remember you. Um, but yeah, thank you to Huddersfield for taking precious points off of Manchester Beautiful. United. We well appreciate done. that. Fulham for just being absolutely atrocious in many, many matches this season, despite a rare run of wins over their last five matches that couldn't piece it together for the entirety of the season. Uh, I would imagine Mitrovic at, at some level and Sessegnon find a way back into the Premier League potentially. Uh, there's a little too much talent in that team. Or they would be a, a rebound candidate in Cardiff. Uh, we're going to miss the Neil Warnock mashups with Oasis. Uh, that was really, really I wonderful. Will not, I will not. No. <laughs> I will not. Yeah. Good, good riddance to that guy. See ya. Yeah, uh, so, yes, we, we, we bid a fond farewell to the those individuals, and uh, we, we look forward to seeing... Uh, out of the remaining teams, uh, you know, we know that Norwich is coming up, which is, you know, always been a, a little bit of a bogey team for us. Sheffield United coming up, and then the playoffs are about to happen as well. So uh, Leeds United could be coming up, Aston Villa could be coming up, West Brom could be coming up, and yes, Derby County, led by none other than Super Frank Lampard, Jody Morris, Fakayo Tomore on the side, along with Mason Mount, could potentially bounce up to the Premier League. I don't know if I could take a I don't I don't know if I could take a John Terry v Frank Lampard uh uh final uh, at Wembley that'll be tough. Yeah, it definitely is going to pit uh pit some emotions right there. So yeah, we will know sooner rather than later what that actually ends up looking like, but uh goodbye you terrible terrible teams that have been relegated and uh welcome to those who have made it through the gauntlet or the than a snap of the championship table. We uh, very much look forward to welcome you in. But as we said earlier, whatever it takes, Thursday, we need a result. We need a victory. We need to make it into the Europa League final so that we can embarrass Arsenal when they make it there. We cannot let them get their hands on a trophy. That will just destroy that fan base. They need to live in constant purgatory with their results, and we want to make it happen because that is what Chelsea do. They steal joy from others, and they bring it unto us the fans of the team in blue. So you know what? Until then, Chelsea fans, enjoy your week and keep the blue flag flying high.